I cannot believe how inept this godforsaken administration and board of trustees is to rehire John Smith. I swear to God, this board and the lack of leadership at the top are going to send us to the dark ages of college football. Like, did Luana come back from the grave and make this hire? With the face slapping, that whole smile thing, the pride from walking up hills during peak recruiting season, putting literally all his money into real estate, and the, 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 the pants pooping? A fucking course John Smith is back in East Lansing. And you're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by the man who enjoys his low-hanging fruit, Kevin Grek, <laughs> and not by the man plucking fruit on his foreign sex vacation, Alex Plum. <laughs> Plum, we miss you, buddy. Uh, yeah. Um, and also, while you're not here, we have to take just the easiest joke and use it. For the cold open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there is a new, for the second time, John Smith in East Lansing. And he is in charge. He's the 26th now uh, head He's, football coach. He, let's all agree. Collectively, <clears throat> this podcast has a, uh, uh, a brand uh, binder, a standards mm -hmm. booklet. Mm -hmm. He is Jonathan, and he is no other name. Yeah. Can't. Can't. Yeah. Um... I'm Greg, just afraid that, uh, you know, we might like host Notre Dame in like 2027 and it'll start raining and we'll lose and you'll get a new uh, favorite game of all time. That's my chief concern with a hire like this. I'm concerned that Valenti is licking his chops at the the opportunity to chase that high one more time. Uh, like, catch the dragon. Uh, Greg, uh, I, I promised last week if we had a hire that this would be a special imbibing episode. Mm. Uh, and so I have, listeners, forgive the, the noise. Oh, yeah. Leaning across the mic is good podcasting. So we have the Lagavulin. Of course. The Offerman Lagavulin. Must have. Uh, and I have the, the Comos tequila from uh, listener Mike Jones. Which one should I oh. partake in? In honor of our Mike Jones, from one Mike Jones to another, I think it has to be. The nice tequila. All right. Walk us through it. Well, as he warned us, uh, ceramic cork. Yeah. It would be fun if we were recording while the ceramic cork came dislodged from the top of the bottle. Just completely ruined yep. this very fine tequila. All right. We got, a, we got a nice giant cube in there. Yeah, that's a big pour. Okay. No, no, no. That's a giant cube is what that is. All right. Well, <clears throat> There's a lot to be said about that, you know. Uh, very exciting time, though. Uh, just as the coaching carousel is starting to heat up across oh, the whoa, land. Whoa, hold on. We, we want to thank coach. everyone, of course, for, oh, uh, for listening and ask the small favor <laughs> to share the pod with Spartans in your life. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore pod. Greg. Yeah. Do you just want to start going, or do you want to let people know the structure of our show? Well, there is structure, and we'll, we'll abide that structure. Um, uh, 
we start with the green wall, where football always leads. Even this week, after a blowout loss to Penn State at Ford Field. Uh, then we'll move off Grand River, where I don't think we have anything, but we'll see if the mood strikes us or how deep you are in the tequila at that point. And then, <laughs> as always, we'll take your Twitter questions. Uh, all right. <clears throat> you, you mean we're going to not do a deep preview of Georgia Southern? Uh, well, no, I've got that all written out as well. Um, mm. Every single, like, there's some dudes on that team. If you know mm. ball, there's some guys on that team. So Dudes that I could play ball with at my mm-hmm. height. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, let's head behind the green wall. You were ramping up to say about the coaching carousel. Greg. Yes. You were ramping up to say about the coaching carousel. Oh, well, just as the coaching carousel is starting to ramp up, we're apparently getting off. So there, there goes all of our fun with flight trackers and shoes at the airport and, you know, whose wife thinks what under what circumstances. Like, this is kind of dull, right? Right out of the gate, just when things were getting interesting. Alan Haller raises his hand and is like, well, actually, I got my guy and we're good. I mean, what are we supposed to talk about now over the next several months? Basketball? I- I do want to shout out because this might be my favorite tweet of the day. Uh, uh, ben Kirshner uh, had pictures getting closer and closer to the shoes that John Smith was wearing coming off of the plane. And they were identical to the shoes that Luke Fickle. <laughs> Is that real? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, I already broke my rule. Calling him John Smith. Refused to do it. Uh, it's too late. It's part of it now. Yeah, so uh, obviously buried the lead. Michigan State has hired Jonathan C. Smith uh, from Oregon State, head coach there, uh, I think, what, since 2018, 2017? Sounds right. Uh, Six seasons, I believe. And uh, yeah, I guess before we get into Jonathan Smith, um, we should talk about Alan Haller. Yeah. Uh, So a few things of note. Confirmed listener, Alan Haller. Yeah. Yeah. zero drama on this hire yep and some things got out about who finalists were but it wasn't until the day before when clearly it was a done deal or nearly so yeah uh that that reports started coming out that jonathan smith was going to be our next head coach um you know, supposedly uh, Elko withdrew his name from consideration, but it didn't feel like that necessarily meant that Jonathan Smith was plan B. Yeah. Um, and talk about timing from a, you made a hire pretty much as quickly as you could after the season end, such that your coach can get in place, figure out a staff, re-recruit players, re-recruit commits, and then start getting ready for the December 4th opening of the transfer portal. That's the critical thing. The transfer portal is just about to open again. So you've got a full week with the guys on the roster for you to evaluate and decide who you want to prioritize to make sure that they stay. Yeah, who wants to stay. Yep. Yeah, also that. And then you've got, you know from there, who you're targeting in the portal. So the timing is perfect on that one for a brand new hire and puts us in a very advantageous position because... Will basically a lot of really good teams out there will have just been finishing with their conference championship or something similar to that or, or ramping up for bowl games. Um, a number of programs that we're competing against 
will be in the process of firing their coaches. Right. And That's the big piece of this. You hired before he had a chance to see other openings. Exactly. That's the other that's the other thing. And and credit needs to be given to Alan Haller for this. We have Alan, as you know, uh we have been um at times, I think, uh fairly fairly uh, uh critical of you. However, the last time we did so, it was about wondering out loud if you're if this is something that you were even working on. And it turns out that you're running such a tight ship. That's why we didn't even know anything. And we should eat that crow, Michael Jones. Uh, we're due that crow. And uh, Alan, you know, if you wanted to serve that up for us, we I'm happy to have a plate right now. Like this is the best kind of crow that we could possibly eat because you get a guy here and we haven't talked about this, uh, Jonesy, but it seems to me that you get a guy that would be at the top of almost all of these lists that are about to start. Um, he's a proven winner. He's uh, a guy that's built a program and he's a former player. He was at his alma mater. He probably wouldn't have even been available. Maybe debatably if Oregon state wasn't imploding and we, the PAC 12 specifically. Yes, yeah, correct. Correct. And we'll talk about how much of a bummer this has got to be. If you're an Oregon state fan, like is rough as things have been for us over the last several weeks and months. Uh, this has got to be a really dark time if you're an Oregon state fan. Um, so credit has to be given that he identified a guy, got the guy delivered him to East Lansing. And now it's like the opposite of the timing problem that we had with Mel Tucker. Everything's right in front of him and he can poach from other staffs that are getting disassembled right now. Yep. He can, he'll be ready to roll with the, uh, with the, uh, transfer portal. And as we've talked about before with some of the talent that already exists on this team, potentially some of the talent that he could bring from Oregon state. If it works out, I mean, we, and, and critically the schedule for next year and the teams that we'll be playing and where, I mean, he could have a pretty successful first campaign uh, in 2024. So I'm overall thrilled with this hire. Yeah, so let's, uh, I guess, let's chat about what he's done mm-hmm. at Oregon State, uh, his track record. I think maybe that's an okay place to start. Because a, a lot of folks will point to, technically speaking, having joined in 2018, uh, he has a losing record at Oregon state. Yeah. But the last two seasons, you see, you, you watch the seasons and you couldn't have inherited a worse job than Oregon state by way of power five. Um, And by way of where it was when he, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, he came in to maybe the worst power five program that is, or at least worst power five program from the perspective of you're a conventional power five program. Uh, you're not a, say, an Armed Forces Academy, which mm-hmm. I guess technically is not Power Five, but I think we think of them in that way in some ways. Uh, uh, you're you're not constrained by academics in the same way that, say, a Northwestern is, right? Like you're just you just are, and yeah. uh, and I think went one and eleven in his first season, two and ten in his second season. Uh, in 2018, or I'm sorry, in um, 
he started to turn things around in a, in a big way, uh, going five and seven, uh, but like still finishing second in the Pac-10 or Pac-12 North. Um, like he's got that dudes in the steady improvement yeah. that you want to see. That's the critical thing in all of this. He inherited a program in rather rough shape, and he took the measures needed to improve that program year over year. And by all accounts, if the pack wasn't imploding, if it wasn't brutally right. murdered um, or suicided, I don't know how you want to, yeah. um, it, uh, he would have continued that upward momentum. I like there, my understanding is that there's a lot of youth on that team. There's a lot of guys to be excited about. Um, so overall, great. I great feel like track record. There's not a good word for what happened to the pack, by the way. It's sort of like turning your car on the garage and not knowing the consequences of doing mm. that. Like you, the, you really like the song that's playing. So you pull in the garage, you kind close of close like the door, close the door behind you. Cause it's cold outside. It's the first snow. Um, but you want to sit in and then, then, you know, the next song that plays is also really good. Yes. And then, um, <laughs> the people in the back seat decide, I'd like this other garage a lot better. So we're just going to slip out and start. Yeah. They've been texting with that garage the whole time. Yeah. And they just sort of uh, slip out without telling you as you give in to that. Uh, into sweet, that, sweet sleep. Yeah, that dark slumber um, for all time. As I uh, know what happened at the back. Did you see that they actually played Pac-12 Conference of Champions eulogy packages after the, no, the games this year? I didn't. Week. Yes, that's that's sad. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 bring it back to Jonathan Smith because yeah. I do want to. Uh, Oregon State had two uh, top twenty-five victories this year: number ten Utah and number eighteen UCLA. The one that's really interesting to me there is uh, the victory against Utah, mm-hmm. because if I had to pick another Pac-12 coach or former Pac-12 coach to come over. It's Kyle Winningham out of Utah. He is, uh, as I think, close to a D'Antonio-style person as you could you could find, is going to find the one thing you're good at, is going to make you beat them the other way, mm-hmm. plays really strong, physical-style football. Like, it translates well, right? So an Oregon State team that has the identity to get that kind of victory is, is I think, a big deal. Also, you know not for nothing hung with with Washington yeah uh, uh lost. in a way that we did not at the beginning yeah. of the year with our coach and our entire roster scored impact. points against them yeah. and then also held them to far fewer points than right. they scored against us so it, i i i think in terms of identity there's a lot to like there about how they play football we're going to talk a little bit about Xs and Os here in a second but the other the other component of this, because I, I think a big knock against Jonathan Smith is lack of Midwest ties. Sure. And that's that's fair. I think there's a conversation that we can have about that. But the thing I do like about him a lot is that he's from Oregon State. Right. Where there's an organ also there. Right. That is someone who will at least from I, and I, I don't know that anyone's really talked about this. It's actually a component of his biography that is missing to me as we talk about this higher, that someone who plays in, played at, coached at the school that is seen as the lesser than 
of the two schools. Right. That is someone, for me, who I can only imagine can step in here and understand. Gets it day one. Yeah, what we all, like, may not feel it the way that we (laughs) feel it. And may be surprised at how much it's felt. (laughs) Yeah. Both ways. But my understanding is that... uh, I mean, they do call their game the Civil War, so... That they, yeah, but my understanding is that uh, you will learn quickly on the job. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I, I think that's another component of this hire that's a big deal. Uh, a departure for MSU is this is an offensive mind mm-hmm. that we haven't made that kind of hire since. Hmm. Hmm. Some, I don't remember what his name was. Uh, that other guy. I'd be concerned if it weren't for a strong track record of building quality defenses at his program and prioritizing that side of the ball. And let's talk about the type of football that he tends to run because he is known as like a quarterback guy and he does have a, he has a certain uh, persona. Uh, He has a personality on, on offense. He does like to run kind of like power football sets, uh, pretty, my understanding is it's it's pretty even distribution of pass to run. Um, but when he does run the ball, um, he, you know, does so in a power way. There's a lot of, you know, 11 formation, some 12 formation. He's got tight ends that do actually score. So rather than just say before the season um, that tight ends are essential to uh, to the offense, it seems that he backs that up, um, including multiple tight end sets. Um, so that side of things, I think translates really well to what MSU has found to be successful in the big 10. Yeah. Let's I, I just, so, cause some listeners might find this interesting to, to give a bit of numbers behind it. Uh, and I'm shouting out, uh, at J bud Davis who tracks this information, <clears throat> So the split between pass and designed runs is 46% for pass attempts, designed runs 50%. Uh, sacks and scrambles account for the other 4%. Um, the uh, RPO is actually only 5% of the time. Mm. Uh, the, but So personnel, uh, for folks who, who don't know, are described in numbers. The first number is going to be your number of running backs. The second number is going to be your number of tight ends. So uh, 11 personnel, which is one, one running back, one tight end, is 47% of the time. And 12 personnel, so one running back and two tight ends, is 37% of the time, which is right. consistent with the power run game that you talked about. Um, uh, in terms of the pass game, uh, the wide receivers, not the slot receiver, are targeted 42% of the time, uh, with tight ends 12, slot 28, running back 10. Um, and then the interesting component is he runs a largely zone blocking scheme. So um, for listeners who may not be familiar, that I think the simplest way to describe zone blocking is that you're kind of blocking an area instead of a particular particular man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're freed up, you move to the second level. Like you're not, it's not a, I'm blocking the dude right in front of me because that's what my job is. It's no, I'm blocking this area. Um, it's an easier blocking scheme, which is why it works so effectively at the college level. Um, and then, Greg, to your point, 72% of the time is an outside run versus an in, in, the inside run accounting for, what, uh, 28%. So that is a huge departure from what we'd seen under the Jay Johnson era. 
Um, so anyway, the numbers add some color that I think is is at least mildly interesting. But from what I've read, the scheme that he ran at a, his previous stop was wildly different. So that tells me an adaptable mind who will who will build an identity around what's necessary to win. Which, dude, like truly, I know one of the other jokes that we were going to think about doing for the cold open was burning the whole program down because it wasn't Urban Meyer. Um, It sounds like Elko is now going to go to Texas A&M. Urban Meyer is not. Um, So I I think in part of this, uh, one lesson that we should learn uh, probably is who has credibility in these types of matters. And another lesson that we should learn is um, you know, truly who were the guys that we were looking at here? And you've got to think from the realistic options, this is one of the best possible fits. I'm not guaranteeing wins. I'm not saying that he'll be the, the yeah, next. Who knows? You never know what's going to happen. Maybe this, maybe in three years, we're talking about how the Midwest thing was never overcome. Never figured it out. We never actually brought talent on whatever, blah, 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 blah. But um, I think under the circumstances with what was available and what's realistic in the coaching carousel of 2023, and we'll see, maybe there are some big changes that happen across the college football landscape. We were in a position to secure our guy early, and we had an administration that identified, targeted, and did so. Yeah. And that's just, that's the story right now. It's as simple as that. Um, should we talk a little bit about recruiting? Cause I, I mean, that is, I think there's two other components of this that, uh, we should chat about. Um, one, if anyone watched in anticipation of this potential hire, the Oregon, Oregon state game, mm-hmm. we should probably chat about, add a little color for folks about sure. maybe what was happening at that particular moment. Like the Oregon state players were starting to find out that they weren't going to have the same coach the next season. Like, and coaches, because the other thing is yeah. the assistant coach pool that's coming over. And then the, the third thing I think to chat about is uh, the recruiting, what, what we can hope for, what some of the challenges are. Let's start there. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'll say this as a bit of a landscape layer, if you will. A lot of the quotes coming from him so far, uh, limited as they are, have been striking the right tone about rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's saying what we all know, we're not there. Right. Uh, and so a big component of this is obviously going to be identifying players and developing players. Which there are dudes on this team. Like, yeah. Mel Tucker, I don't think ever really hit his stride with recruiting. I think now the Mel Tucker over, uh, era is over, and it is. Adjust your brain to that, I guess. Um, I don't think it ever actually happened. Uh, There were moments, there were fleeting moments where, you know, it really started to pick up, but I don't think we ever actually saw it in its full glory. Uh, And who knows if it ever would have. Well, quick aside on that, because tying back to what we just talked about, sort of his identity as as a... as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk more about that as we talk about the assistant coaches, but the, I think Mel Tucker's recruiting, and it's easy to say this now that he's gone, but like 
we never saw an identity, and we did talk about that, out of a Mel Tucker program. Like, mm-hmm. who are you? What do yeah. you believe in? What do you want to try and accomplish? We chop. We have a deep end. It's in right. the wood house, and we continue to chop it there in the deep end. Um, so, like, as we are Spartan dogs for life. There's a lot of mixed metaphors. I will remember the Mel Tucker era is one giant mixed metaphor. Yeah. Driving around in a Polaris slingshot. Um, and, and, you know, some other stuff as well. Yeah. But that'll but be it, the gist of it. So I don't know how, like at some point in time, I think your recruiting falls off because you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And so, so anyway, uh, the, his track record of recruiting from a star's perspective is not crazy good. However. Yeah, it tends to be, if you're looking at what the recruiting rankings say for Oregon State over the last several years, it tends to be 50-ish class ranking. I tend to believe, though, that that is not the easiest place in the world to recruit to. Probably not. You don't think Corvallis, Oregon is a hotbed of uh, of football talent? Call me crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did, though, in that time, bring in some pretty noteworthy recruits. Yep. Um, TBD on whether they stay Mm -hmm. or where they go after that. But that's not really... Like, I, I don't think we should be hanging our hat on raiding the, the, the pantry of, of Oregon State. Right. The point being is that he's not incapable of bringing in high caliber talent, but did what he did by developing. That's exactly my point is yeah. you're bringing. I mean, this is the kind of the D'Antonio approach, which D'Antonio was never really that low. He'd be routinely in the like third, like the high 20s, 30 range yeah um and then developed that talent into a team that competes in the top 10 top 15 and what we're seeing here is a coach and a staff which he's bringing some of those guys over and that's already confirmed we'll talk about that in just a sec that can take talent and develop it which is talent in the 50s and move it into the same sphere that d'antonio did yeah, which is maybe if we're putting if we're if we're saying the eulogy for the Mel Tucker era, did did we ever actually develop talent? I think no. To, there's maybe a couple that you could point at in the, Who? In the defensive secondary, Who? maybe. Who? Um, Who? <laughs> Truly. Who? Yeah. So it's bleak, but there's still recruiting stars on this. Uh, on this roster. I think when he sits down, uh, Jonathan here, I think he might be surprised. He'll, he'll, obviously he knows the record, but as he starts to peel this back, he might be surprised the dudes that are on this team. They're young and they're not developed, but there are some options here. It's not a completely bare cupboard, I don't think. I would hope that the lesson... I would hope that what he sees is there's no reason I can't get Mm -hmm. eight four stars and above to come to East Lansing. Mm -hmm. There's no reason I can't do that. But would also say I can do all the things that I did at Oregon State and do that here too. Because what we can say for sure about Mel Tucker, looking at, say, the 2023 class and the 2022 class— 
those smaller classes, because we didn't land plan A guys and there wasn't a plan B or plan C. Like that, that sure you, you met, you met the numbers of uh, sort of record numbers for what MSU brought in from a star perspective. Mm-hmm. But so Jonathan Smith should say to himself, I can do that here and should try to do that here, but should also be doing all the things that he clearly knows how to do. Like, it, you know, why would you not get Dylan Tatum or Jordan Hall? You know, like there are good players to be had that will come to East Lansing. I'm very curious what what promises were made to him for NIL as well. Like, yeah. I wonder if we're going to find out. Like, he must have had questions about, like, what is this SD4L situation that we're in if right now? If he didn't have those questions, then that's yeah. a reason that I would have major concerns about him already as a coach. Right. Uh, so we're going to choose to believe he did, but so, uh, notably doesn't have Midwest connections, never spent any time here, uh, has brought a couple staff members over that we're going to talk about here in a second that do have Midwest connections, but you, you have to be assuming, I I would think, right. That the, that he's going to fill out the remainder of his staff with people who can show the way, right? Uh, I, I actually, what do you, what's your over under on current members of the staff that get retained in some way? We'll just say in some way, maybe not as a, maybe not as a position coach, but in some way still in East Lansing this time next year. Are we, we're not counting GAs, right? No, we're talking okay. like position coaches and coordinators. And above. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to set the number at I'm going to set the number at one and a half. I was actually going to say exactly that. Um, You could convince me, like, if I'm truly setting a line and I'd be content with a push, that one is the number to set it at. Justin Thin, got to give credit where it's due at 24-7, was saying he was hearing Salgado was impressive uh, on paper to Jonathan Smith, who's the new defensive secondary coach. Um, You mean, well, Blue Adams he's bringing over for uh db coach sure yeah there's more than one there can be there's also harlan who's been i guess promised harlan's still out there at the very least talking to recruits and telling them that he maybe harlan just i kind of thought this whole thing that he's on was an act of like (laughs) we all know it's not going to be me maybe he truly does think that um he has a (laughs) future here that no one has indicated as such to him. Um, but he has reached out to recruits and told them that he expects to have some kind of role with the next staff. So I don't, I don't know if his, if this is like a Milton from office space situation where yeah. they're going to like, they're just going to cancel his paycheck, but he's just going to keep showing up, uh, every day. Um, spoilers for office space, but, uh, <laughs> I, and then Courtney Hawkins is one that I don't think we've heard from, like coaching rumor sign, but that's something that the fan base is always wondering out loud about. So, yeah, and I we'll I'm see going back and forth on Hawkins. Uh, I think people mostly want to keep Courtney Hawkins for. I think recruiting. people mostly want to keep Nick Marsh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But let's talk about the guys that we know are coming over from Oregon State. You want to go down the list? 
Yeah, so the first one is uh, Coach Mahalchek, uh, who is the offensive line coach. Uh, two years running that they've been, uh, their offensive line has been on the uh, Broyles uh, Award uh, finalist list. Yeah, you uh, know how we've been paying a million dollars for an offensive line coach, and the the product has been that Caden Hauser basically dies multiple times <laughs> during the Penn State game? Um, this is a guy that might actually earn such a paycheck. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> so let's re- let it remind, come back to that thought. Cause I have a question for you about, mm-hmm. uh, the paychecks. Um, but, uh, Mahalchik has been r- repeatedly cited by multiple people as possibly the best position coach in all of the PAC 12. Um, you know, uh, I think relationships lead a lot to people saying nice things. See Harlan Barnett. Uh, but the the fact of the matter is, is that again, it's Corvallis, Oregon. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be shitty, but like he's put together a physical offensive line running a relatively power scheme in 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 a place that's harder to recruit to. Yeah, undeniably, they were a. a, a and you can see it by the, the the dissolution of the conference. They were a have not in their own conference, and and so I really like I have a lot of empathy for what clearly is a, an impassioned fan base, like what they must be going through right now. But so did a lot with less, and and that's a reason to feel really excited. Uh, defensive backs coach Blue Adams. Um, uh, offensive coordinator uh, Brian Lindgren. We should take a second to pause here because um, Beaver fans don't seem to be fans of Brian. I would first ask Kevin: Is anyone a fan of their offensive coordinator unless yeah. their name Mike Leach? There's that, and then there's also the fact that MSU fans had just experienced one of the worst offensive uh, outputs in college football this year. So and that's not that is not a hyperbole. Nope. Nope. Iowa Terms. Iowa who we joke about their offense, yep. who fired their offensive coordinator for not being able to hit the median score per game of 18 of tw- no 24 points per game is oh, what was that what it was? And yeah. then he actually got 18, is that what it and was? And then their defense was so good and their offense was so bad that they set record lows for over/unders. Uh we make fun of them, but we scored less points per game than them. Right. So I, I understand the Beaver fans were frustrated with this guy. One, you're right. Who loves their offensive coordinator? Certainly we haven't ever. It's an easier position to question than the defense. Right. Uh, and two, like we've just gone through just the thick of it. So I think anyone will be a breath of fresh air yeah. at that point. And he did average 33.8 points per game. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, and probably got skewed a little bit by an Oregon uh, uh, showing at Oregon that was influenced heavily by the team just learning they were going to lose their coach. And then we also bring in tight end coach, running back coach, and strength and conditioning coach. Which, if you're to believe that all these guys have been injured all year in season-ending ways and otherwise, then that's also fantastic. Happy to have. <laughs> Yeah, Mike McDonald's strength and conditioning coach in as well. And I believe Mike McDonald and uh, Wozniak, who's the tight ends coach, I believe. Well, so Mike McDonald went to Purdue 
And I think Wozniak has a tie to Wisconsin. Great. So there's your Midwest. Yeah. Heard of them. So, uh, but that doesn't mean that they have high school connections, to be clear. And that's Mm -hmm. actually what matters. Um, But uh, look, uh, Maholchek, big win. Like, and Wozniak, my understanding is also a great coach. So wonderful. Yep. Um, and then I think the other ones are people that you trust. And, and by the by, their defense has been solid. So like, I don't, it, we would be elated. The name not on that list, by the way, is their defensive coordinator. Right. The, my understanding is quite possibly follows, but he is a defensive coordinator who would be a name to take a head coaching job at another location. Yep. And so is exploring options right now as he should. Yep. Not a big surprise. Probably would have happened for Oregon State anyway. Um, I, I, I think this also, can we just say this is, becomes the fun part though? It's like Christmas. Mm-hmm. The, the coaches that are coming in, like. And in our Christmas, we get to choose our presents 10 days earlier than everyone yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Whew. What, a, like, for as bad as the D'Antonio retirement timeline was for Mel Tucker, like... This could this, not be better. Alan Haller, again, credit needs to be give, given where it's due, really set us up here for a perfect, uh, you know, portal and coach hiring season. Um, do we want to spare a thought for Oregon State as a program? Yeah. Like... Can you imagine this? If you you're just generally excited this week about about like playing Oregon, your in-state rival, you've got a great team, you got a good coach, and then an alum too as an your coach. alum, a guy that probably could have been your Mark D'Antonio. Like, who knows under other circumstances if he if he would have left? Like, but probably not. Um, and then in a blink of an eye, it's just gone. You don't know who you're playing next year. They have three teams on their on their schedule for next year. You don't know who your coach is going to be. You don't have a conference anymore. You know that this is going to cause your roster to just be decimated. I've seen a lot of... Um, I, I've seen a lot of... Um, unpleasantness come out of the yeah. the beaver twitter sphere and it just reminds me that hurt people hurt people michael and this would be really cuz there's no there's no respite coming for Oregon state there's no like it, it, you, the other teams that got left behind in the pack found their homes already and you're still looking like you're not going to just magically end up and in the you were on the rise you were on the rise yeah it's about as bad as it could get and i do really feel for oregon state fans some of the jokes made there's no excuse for and yeah, they're not jokes tremendously mean yeah uh yeah but but generally speaking it when Mel Tucker left Colorado, those fans shut up. Yeah, the broke buffs. But they the got their thieves. guy now, you know. Nihon the Dion thieves. got them three, four wins. Where do we four, end up? Four wins. Four wins, pardon me. 
So they got their um, gun. They're and, and it seems like they're very fractured up in there. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I do. That's it just rough. goes to show, like we've been saying, like, but did it, you see what a judge ruled? Oh, that, that they might get just a massive payout that Oregon State and Washington State get to choose the distributions for all of the Pac-12 money. That's <clears throat> I, I have an idea how I might choose to distribute that money. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sincerely, despite your vitriol and your poor jokes. I'm rooting for you in that lawsuit. Yeah. And like, it, it, good true. for you guys. Um, and I, I understand that as a athletic department, they just took on a lot of debt to, you know, put, yeah, I think put they just, money into their football stadium. Um, yeah, I think $160 million renovation. Which if you are a serious program and you want to show to other schools or to other conferences that you're a serious program, that's something that you probably have to do. It's just, it doesn't, it didn't work out. In this case, um, and that's a real bummer. And it probably impacted the financials for what they could offer Jonathan Smith to keep him. So it just goes to show, like, we are very fortunate to be in the Big Ten. Not that, like, we don't deserve to be in the Big Ten. We definitely do. Um, we're a top 20 program. But it it goes to show that, like... And a revenue-sustaining program. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot that not, I don't think all the Big Ten schools can say about themselves as right. it relates to football. My point in all of this is we should appreciate the position that we're in as a university and as a program because it could be so, so, so much worse. I heard uh, Sheehan ask this question. I'm going to ask you, are we a bad guy? No. I think we're on, on the list. Are we a baddie? I think on the list of this, we just sort of... He's a good coach. Why wouldn't we ask him if he wants yeah. to coach for... like? Someone was probably going to get him under these circumstances, so it ended up being us. My understanding of how the Pac-12 fell apart, Oregon State has itself to blame in some way over this. Yep. Uh, and then certainly UCLA and USC deserve the bulk of the blame for the demise of the Pac. Um, and then we just sort of like came in and we were opportunistic i suppose yeah so maybe there's some degree to which we deserve blame for oregon state and i i wouldn't blame them for for you know not not everything that they're saying to us but you know being a little salty choosing not to be msu fans moving forward i understand that i get it but i don't think we caused any of this if if texas had been able to lure mark d'antonio away i would have hated that i mean mm -hmm forever in a way right uh is so i think the one other thing that i want to say about all this before we move uh move along is that i guess it's it's sort of 1a and 1b uh 1a is we've touched on the circumstances here of the hiring are a lot different than the hiring of mel tucker mm -hmm. and and i say that as this is a big hire for alan howler yep the this is a hire you will be judged for. You know, you know, ADs don't get a lot of these. Yeah. Like, hopefully, uh, well, hopefully this is your last one. If this is your last one. Smashing success. Yeah. Or the new president really doesn't like you. Right. Uh, but the, the other thing is, um, let's talk about hype for a second. Mm -hmm. Because... Uh, 
I think particularly with the 2021 season, you know, 2020 being such a weird season that we really bought in on Mel Tucker. And, and so I guess my question for you is, we talked a lot about coming into today that we were we weren't getting into the horse race, mm-hmm. right? Like, didn't care, trusted the process. We and we also had a a sister podcast to do all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the search, they're still putting out great content. Go and some look of them up, some of subscribe. whom were uh, some of us who were invited on it, others of us not. Whatever. Uh, I think really they're like a cream rises to the top type of bunch, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I guess my question for you is. I I see this hire, and I look at it, and I say, there's a lot that makes sense here. There's the one potential knock, but we talk about the other things that he's capable of, and you're like, who cares about the Midwest ties? And there is not, like, a perfect coach out there. They're all going to have potential knocks. There's no, like, like, Well, it's oh. Urban. Obviously, it was Urban. Urban oh, I'm sorry. Urban. I'm sorry. There's one oh, wait, perfect there's coach the, out there. Oh, nope. Nope, there's plenty of things to know like <laughs> But yeah, and and if you if you're truly able to develop talent, then like who cares about your Midwest recruiting ties, right? Like yeah. develop the talent. But uh because your brand should be able to carry recruits in some way. Uh but I I guess um <clears throat> he doesn't strike me already because they clearly had to put a scarf on him to be like, hey, bro, you should wear some green getting off the plane. Uh, that as someone who's uh, braggadocious or... Yeah, I don't think you're going to see any more, you know, phantom Rolls Royces out on the field at Spartan Stadium. I don't <laughs> think he's going to... That's not the vibe. Uh, but I, I am, like... I think there's reasons to be... I, I guess some folks I've seen are saying, like, Let's slow our roll here on being excited. And, and I guess I'm curious where you are, because for me, we should be excited about this hire. This, the, we, we won the hiring cycle, yep. truly. Yep. And there's a lot that, of his identity that seems to comport with what we would want to see, even as an offensive mind, out of MSU. This isn't some wild spread like John L. Yeah. And clearly cared about building a defense. Like, so there's a lot there. The in-state rivalry component tracks to me. The, the, the development harkens back to D'Antoni. Like, I guess for those of you who are like, slow the roll, I'm sort of like, no, it's, it's okay to be for excited. For how long? Like, for we should three be years? excited. Like, <laughs> yeah. What, and what do you expect out of him? It, it can't be this bad. Right. And coaching incompetence delivered a lot of that. Uh, yeah. But while but, I was actively watching the Penn State game, most of my time and energy was spent updating myself. On Jonathan Smith, <laughs> understanding what we're getting here. Because compared to what we just went through, there is no reason not to be excited about this. That doesn't guarantee success. You and I don't think this is going to be the next D'Antonio guaranteed. But it it has the but potential. It could, it could yeah. be. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I guess I would just ask if... I would ask any Spartan listening to this who's maybe on the, the fence or, or thinks that we shouldn't be hyped about it. What's the value in being a cynic in life? Truly, like, what's the value in, in pushing things down? Why would you, in spite of John L. Smith's track record, I came into every season believing what could be. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I just, there's a lot of like, you, you look at what he's done and there's a lot of younger D'Antonio to, to see in what he's done. Or Jonesy, let me present the alternate. Okay. You take your gruff Sparty pirate flag. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wrap yourself in it real tight. It starts to it starts to cut off the circulation. That's how tight it is. And your fists they get white in rage. And then you take out you take out a, a lighter and you light the bottom of that thing because it, it was only like four dollars, you know, purchased from like AliExpress somewhere. That thing's flammable as hell. And you <laughs> self-immolate <laughs> in in uh in solidarity with Ermond Meyer. And what could have been at Michigan State? Let's draw the road. By the way, I screenshot two roads and only two roads. You walk down the one that Jonesy just outlined, or you walk down the the violent path. I I, I, I screenshotted uh, earlier Spiro's uh, Sandusky denial uh, tweets, so mm-hmm. we got those locked and loaded for later. Uh, you mentioned Penn State. We should talk about that for a minute. Do we have to, Dad? <laughs> uh. So it was not good. I didn't even pull up the tab. That's I will remind remember this as the game where I feared for Caden Hauser's life at times. And at times yeah, which is saying something. So we lost 42 to nothing in Ford Field. Um I remember it as a second half in which the defense played all of it. Yeah. Uh we came out of the first quarter, I think 3 nothing. Correct, because they failed to convert a number of times. It was a bend, don't break, Michael Jones. Bend, don't break defensive uh, standoff. Yeah, and then it was 10 nothing at the half. Mm-hmm. So I guess, truly, my point is that, dear listeners, like, oh, it's no, like, no, I'm sorry, it was 13 nothing at the it's end It's like so half. many games that we've seen this year. The defense did its job for a period of time. And then just couldn't it, maintain it. Because it doesn't offense. have enough dudes on it. Like, yeah. everyone is hurt. Yeah. I, I, I just... Hurt. And emotionally hurt by the start right. of the third when you can't get a first down? Even in situations that were set up to succeed. Even after a turnover, even after, like, the defense did well... That just the inability to convert into points. Remember when there was when we were in field goal range and operating, and then <laughs> turnover, boom, or knocked out because of like penalties and yeah. like botched snaps and stuff. Like, and, and with this team, with this defense, given how light they are, first down matters. Mm-hmm. That is time for them to literally ingest oxygen. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, and I, I just. I've also never seen that I can recall a stats adjustment overnight to the degree that our offensive stat numbers were adjusted from. Oh, I didn't. It, so the game ended. And we were awarded net 68 yards of offense. Oh, oh, that's nice. And then overnight, they adjusted it down to 13 yards, which I'm guessing is just one play, to uh, 50 or whatever oh, oh i thought i thought you were saying it got adjusted down to 13 yards and i was like holy shit that was worse yeah. than i imagined uh so i i think one thing uh maybe to take away and and thank god plum's not here for this because nate carter was interviewed after the game and talked about being 
excited for next year. That like he's here with the guys, the guys, the guys, the guys, and that whoever they bring in, he's really excited. I'm hoping that someone like that, their voice carries a bit through the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he speaks for more folks than we might imagine. Yeah, I do. I do fairly think, though, that SD4L really fucked us. If they just kept those payments up, if like truly, and if you are indeed a billionaire, this it costs you nothing. nothing. You. Yeah, it's effectively nothing to you. Let's let's assume, for the sake of argument, that he's not a billionaire. That he has seven hundred fifty million dollars. It's just, still effectively nothing. He could pay a million dollars a year to this roster for seven hundred fifty years. Yeah. Assuming making no more money, like, that Steve St. Andre is a piece of shit. Like, just like, what the thing that I don't understand about it is why put in all the effort just to throw it away? Because it must have been some effort on his part. Like, you didn't just throw it away, though. You, like, did active harm. You did it. Yeah, exactly. To to burn it down, to actively sabotage it. Like that's what kills me about this thing. And it's still there. You go to athletic events, it's still SD4L everywhere. So And by the by, folks it. might be saying, well, they didn't pay just like you know, it wasn't just like that, you know, because they're probably paying a million dollars to the basketball team. And so, like, and maybe two million dollars. Let's let's assume that he's paying three million dollars. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many years he could do that for without making a dime? 25 years, Kevin. He could not make any money, and he could support the football and basketball teams for 25 years. I mean, way more no, than no, no. that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're 250. Yes. 250 years. I'm sorry. Can't read, can't write, can't do math. Can't, can't math. 250 years. Holy <laughs> So, like, look, this isn't a podcast where we're going to talk about the criminality of wealth, but I am going to say, fuck you. And also, part by all accounts, part of what he was frustrated with, from what we've heard, is that there weren't enough people that jumped on to help with those packages. Fuck you. First off, what are you expecting in a really awful year? Second off, what are you expecting when they don't make any sense and you've literally printed them out and like posted them somewhere. Third you f- fuck you. And and third off like what do you expect now that you've you've shown that I can just yank the plug on this whenever yeah. I want because it's Don't mine. trust you. So no one trusts the, the SD4L now and there's a, just an immense amount of trust that needs to be rebuilt and maybe part and maybe having a new coaching regime will help accelerate that. But so I Steve St. Andre, uh, whatever your graphic design company is or whatever it is you do that supposedly makes you a billionaire, if you want to support this podcast, I will shill for your wealth and then give all of your money to the student-athletes. I just want to reiterate, Matt, Matt, if you're listening, we'll talk about United Wholesale Mortgage. <laughs> we'll even be in one of your, your TV ads where we stand on top of the, on top of the uh, sky bridge. We're ha- I don't, we stand on sky bridges on this podcast. I, I don't get those ad, those ads out here. This oh, is, we do. We get them. They're looking to hire. They want. They like the cut of your jib, Mike Jones, and they want you 
<laughs> they want you on the phone selling mortgages, my man. Yeah, I bet they do because uh, they need they need an <laughs> army. But anyway, <clears throat> yeah. All right, we we got real sidetracked there. Uh, this season sucked. I don't know that I need to say anything else about this particular game. Yeah, I've I've never been happy that a football season was over though until yeah. this year. It's a weird, like even feeling. bad years. I was never happy that football season was over. Yeah, this was. I, I don't know, man. Like, this was easily the worst football I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it ended with the whimperiest whimper of all whimpers. Yeah. Uh, I, we, speaking of crow, we've been eating crow on this podcast. Yeah. The last thing s- that we, we need to switch to basketball. About. Yeah. No, there's one more Penn State thing that we need to talk about. Yeah. Turnout in the stadium. By all accounts, people showed up for this three win team. And maybe. You and I need to do a little soul searching about whether or not this was a good idea or not. Now, I will say, I don't, I still don't want to give up any kind of home football games. I mean, if we were competitive and we thought we had a chance of winning this game at all, I would greatly prefer that it happened at Spartan Stadium because I've been to these land-grant trophy games in Spartan Stadium, including the most recent one where it started snowing and we won. I want that for us because I want to ultimately win. Ultimately, I want to win these games. But in a situation like this where it isn't going to be competitive, maybe the least that you can do is give people their bread and circus and the amenities of of a Ford field where they can, you know, go sort of half pay attention to the game while they're in one of the stadium bars. Um, what do you think? Like what if Alan Haller comes to us and tries to do this again in two years or three years? What do you? Yeah. I, I mean, turnout was good. I don't, I don't know what the full numbers were in Ford field. Um, by all accounts, it was, predominantly Michigan state. Mm-hmm. And I think our fear was that Penn state in particular, because their proximity ish would travel well, though. I wonder now that I'm saying that out loud, how many of those folks are actually in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cause let's be clear. No one wants to go to happy Valley. <laughs> like it's, if you haven't been there, it's truly in the middle of nowhere. Like you think urban planning YouTube channel that I really like rated it number one college town in America. So great. They could do a lot of planning because there's nothing around. Uh, (laughs) But, and and I would love to go, but like my point being is that their alums don't stay there. They don't stay in the area. Right. Whereas at least in, uh, in Michigan state's case, you have, you have some opportunities in Lansing that'll pull you in. Um, you have alums like yourself who you have pathetic individuals that try to relive the dream every weekend and stay in East Lansing. Uh, and then you, you know, you have other folks in the, the Metro Detroit and and Southeast Michigan, generally speaking areas that in Grand Rapids can can make the same commute. So, uh, I mean, I think Michigan has its own brain drain problems, but like, you know, it's no one's staying within a commutable distance to 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 stay college mm-hmm. because Philly's five hours away, four and a half. Like I mean, I it's know. it's a day, like it's a real day to go to a Penn State game, 
and and they they make it work. But my my point being is that it's a ten hour drive to get up to Ford Field. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we should say yes to these sorts of things. Is my take because. <sighs> Imagine we had a better team. Imagine we had a better team. We'd have a better advantage at home at Spartan Stadium. Yeah, but you, you got a live crowd. You, you got folks who maybe wouldn't come to games. And, and it's a quality fan experience in a, in a time where probably a lot of folks are coming back to town. We talked about this at the time. Like, I, I don't know. It, we get a primetime slot. If that's what it takes to get a primetime slot with a, a, a premium team, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to hate on it if it happens again in a few years. If it becomes an annual tradition, I got, I got problems. All right, let's talk basketball. Oh, that's right. We played Arizona. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I remember that as being very frustrating to watch. So, I. I think it was a tale of two halves for me, this game. There was the Tyson Walker half, and then mm-hmm. there was the half where everyone else decided to play? Correct. Um, we got the, the first half where we got particularly the, uh, we got particularly the Akins and the Hogard that we were worried about. And then we got a second half where, I mean, even it, it's... The first half was so frustrating at times that it's easy to forget that with like four minutes left, we were up four points or something like that. It didn't feel like it at the time, but we were playing well. The defense was producing well. That high-powered, like high-octane uh, Arizona offense that we were talking about, the the number three tempo offense in the country, was not operating at that point in the game in the second half. And... Then it got kind of pissed away, but yeah, but I understand your frustration with the first half at the same time. Yeah, well, because it it looked like for a while that we weren't going to be able to hang with their length Mm -hmm. and and size, and so that's that's frustrating to see. We were getting out physicaled. I guess maybe credit to the refs that they uh, they. I think there were some blown calls in the game, but like they called a relatively consistent game. Mm-hmm. I think in a different officiating crew maybe presents problems uh, for Arizona because they were very physical to start this game. And, and it was disappointing to see Michigan State sort of get punched and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the second half, the defense was great. Lockdown, like there was a lot to like. Um, I just, I don't know how much we can keep talking about this, and it continues to be worthwhile content. But AJ Hogard needs to be the AJ Hogard that was the uh, first 12, 16 minutes of the second half. Like and and he needs to be that the whole game, 
Because what happened in the last four minutes is that A.J. Hoger decided he was a jump shooter. I was just going to say, we also, we can't just say the second half A.J. Hoger. No, no, I said the first 12 to 16 minutes of the second half. Because A.J. Hogard essentially... He lost us that game in the first half, and he lost it in the second half. Agree. And I know that there were turnovers by Trey Holloman and... No, 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 no. That stuff happens. Yeah. No. And, And here's... Here's the other thing, by the way, Jade Nakins. Again, I say to you, did you want to go to the Combine? Right. Do you want people to be interested in you? Then you need to be that player that was there in the second half. And so, I mean, AJ in the postgame talked about, like, I can't keep coming out here and saying the same stuff to you. Great, AJ. Then do something about it. Mm -hmm. I just... that Arizona team is very good. That Arizona team, if you told me they were in the Final Four, I'd say, that tracks. And it's infuriating to me to see Michigan State make it a game. When, when there was... It, it wasn't that Arizona got cold. It wasn't that they made a bunch of blunders. Michigan State, for meaningful minutes in that game, was the better team. And I, so, like, I, I would say mo- uh, a really significant portion of the second half. I know that we only led for all of like 15 seconds total, but like most of the second half, it seems like we had the momentum and we were in control of the game. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll say a couple other things. Uh, Cohen Cart, 19 minutes, three boards, which is maybe a bit of a disappointing number, seven points, three steals. But overall, I liked. I liked Cohen Carr's game. I liked yeah. Jeremy Fears' game. Yeah, Fears, four points, three assists, no turnovers, and a rebound. Like, uh, Fears continues to look good in initiating the offense. Um, I, I just... The, the rebounding issues continue to persist. That's a bit of a concern, an ongoing... And, and the other thing is... Greg, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about the free throws. Got to talk about that. We've also got to talk about having a McDonald's All American on the team that did not play. Yeah. Not even a minute. Not even a sub. Not even a like get those warm ups off, do something out there while I yell at whomever I'm spelling for you. Um, like, hmm. My, I'll say this. My understanding is that. So, I guess I'll say one thing, that Tom Izzo has been uh, nothing but uh, praise, uh, giving a praise. Complimentary. Yeah, of of Booker in the time that he has played, in the sense that, like, he went one for six the other night, and he said, I didn't have a problem with a single one of those shots he took. Right? Like, that's good. Right? That's Booker operating within the system. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, I'll also say, and this isn't sort of the other side of the coin, it's it's actually on the same side, that by all accounts, Booker's parents, Booker, knew that they were signing up for a Tom Izzo that was like going to coach him to be great, and that meant I'm not going to play you just because you had stars. Mm-hmm. It's tough to watch, though, when at least I know he would take shots. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you want to say about free throws? I'm curious because we went 11 for 14. Yeah. Are we talking about opportunistic free throws? Yeah, missing the front ends of one on ones. Uh, Tyson Walker, uh, 0 for 2. Yep. Like, I, I think that's. AJ Hogard, 0 for 2. No, no that was, was for five three. Five. five for five. Pardon me. Yeah. The Tyson Walker thing is becoming a bit of a concerning pattern that I just. At some point in time, we got to talk about the shooting. And and I'm still not willing to say that it's not a bid on AJ, N- not the free throws, but the 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 three point shots. Um, I mean, Malik Hall comes out, splashes one and then. Sucks. Bye. Goodbye, Malik. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks for I showing just, up for a minute there, bud. I uh, yeah, give me some confidence heading into the, the, the first half and then it just disappeared. Um, but we're past the point of anomaly anomalies right now, I think is where I'm at. And this is becoming a bit of a trend that some of the people that you thought you could rely on for whatever reason, it's not happening. And so I, well, here's I, I don't the have good news. Yeah. Um, the good news is Georgia Southern's coming to town on Tuesday. Yep. And you're going to see a lot of handsome people um, introduced at halftime and generally sitting around uh, the court for that game. And that's the most important thing. You're going to be introduced at halftime? Maybe. Perhaps. We'll see. Okay. I'm just calling Jonathan Smith handsome, man. I, I don't know oh, if he is or not. Oh, I thought you were saying that you were going to be. It was both. Uh, all right, moving on. Anything else you want to say about uh, football before we move on? No. Okay. We've done a lot. <laughs> We've covered yeah. a lot of ground. So let's not go off Grand River. And I don't want to talk played some games, but we don't uh, need to yeah. talk about that. Uh, actually, Trey Augustine does deserve a shout out. Trey Augustine's played out of his mind this weekend. I know if you look at the box scores, you might be like, what? How? They, they gave up like six goals uh, today. Uh, but yeah, Trey Augustine, freshman goalkeeper, deserves a massive amount of credit. Uh, MSU goes on the road, um, you know, wins in a shootout in the first game, so gets those points, um, and then loses in overtime in the second game against a top 10 Minnesota game, Minnesota team on the road. So have to be uh, just like, considering where we were just two years ago for an outcome like this and for how far ahead we are right now in the big 10 points wise. Yeah. Like you got to be thrilled with these things. Um, anything off grand river you want to cover or should we go, uh, preview basketball, Georgia Southern, keep an eye what's happening on the court. Court side and on the court at halftime. Um, and Twitter questions. Should we, uh, real quick, Georgia Southern, just they're bad like bad bad and they're short which means we'll see some uh xavier booker that'll be great yeah all right uh first up uh raymond chains asks uh provides a hot take uh Mm. raymond you have the wrong show hot take those who say uh, say progress means uncle harlan is due consideration have goldfish memories looking at you grooch did you say yeah did you say that Maybe I'll, 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 Do read. I have a goldfish memory. 
I think he just wanted to to look at me is what it was, mm-hmm. uh, which you'll be able to do on Tuesday. Uh, and next up from Raymond is Coach D's job to make sure Harlan makes every game go down to the wire and to have a nice warm hot chocolate ready for everyone after the game. Does he wear an apron and hand out scratches and have program victory stickers? There were none of those available, even under the most generous definitions of program victory uh, on Saturday. So Ray, everyone should know we failed Raymond for a second time last weekend. He told us just roll the, the questions. They're now, I think, officially dead on the vine now. Um, next up from Mike Jones, since it's the season of giving, Greg, were you nice enough to give Rossell some boxes to GTFO of East Lansing? Just say it. He spelled it out because this is a family show, Michael. Um, he wrote F words in the cold open. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the cold open. Wait, wait, or one, <laughs> two, three. Greg's mom, if you're listening, <laughs> three <laughs> F-words he wrote down. And I wrote pooping pants as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, what I did, instead of providing boxes, is I just burned his house to the ground. Uh, oh, that's why you didn't see that did, on Zillow. Did you, did you call the Sundance guy to help out? I did. I did. Did uh, he bring his horse? Yep. Uh, you, yeah, I needed a ringer, and I got one. Um, <laughs> next up from Mike Jones is Harlan Barnett's greatest coaching account accomplishment getting Tom Allen fired. No, 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 no. We need to stop celebrating stuff like this because Tom Allen keeping his job would have been great. Here, here. Like, we shouldn't want new blood in the Big Ten, generally speaking. Uh, and also, Tom Allen, such a beta, and this comes from a guy that knows something about this, um, that he decided to cut a more reasonable deal with Indiana on his buyout. I, that is so wild. The green line on that man is so... He uh, loves so- each other through and through, all the way to the university administration. Giving up $5 million on your buyout, like, wild. Like, truly, I hate you, Tom Allen, because, mm-hmm. man... Could all use a little taste of that. Yeah, and also make these programs pay you. Like, I know that there's all of the like you didn't earn it, DeBoer earned it for you. And then there was someone someone posted, I, I thought this was brilliant. Someone posted his record with and without Michael Penix, and it is alarming. Give me just thank, one sec. Thank God Michael Penix left. According to uh Tom Dog 0022 on Reddit. With uh, Michael Penix playing for Indiana, he was 14 and six, pretty good, deserving of a $20 million buyout. Nine Without him, 19 and 43. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet you Tom Allen didn't even pick up the phone during the Michael Penix recruitment. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That was all DeBoer. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, Beth Amaro asks. By the way, Beth, if we're not pronouncing that correct, please uh, DM us and give us the pr- correct pronunciation. Uh, if you're Coach Smith, who are you? Who are your prime targets on the current MSU roster to retain and start next year? I've. You got a list. I got a list. Secondary. Uh, Chance Rucker for yep. sure. 
yep. true freshman tra- chance rucker. Uh, you gotta have those. You gotta have your Dylan Jordan Tatum. Bulls. You gotta have your Dylan Tatum's. Both Mangums, please. I'll take them. Uh, and uh, Malik Spencer the, on the other side. A lot uh, of the offensive uh, line, quote unquote, talent that we have or have not seen yet at this point, you gotta retain that stuff. Um, yeah, because the recruiting there, particularly last year, was not bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe In we fact- paid a million dollars for Coach Cap to recruit some guys for someone else to then develop. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like it, Nate Carter staying either way, likes yeah. it here a lot. Sam Levitt, though. Well, we haven't mentioned this, but there is a guy on Oregon Aiden State's, Childs. Aiden Childs, uh, on Oregon Childs, State's roster, uh, who, is, who is kind of anointed as like the next person in line they would they would bring him in for plays in the same way that uh michigan would bring in jj mccarthy when um Cade mcnamara was the mm-hmm. the quarterback dual threat guy and uh apparently a dude pretty good recruit kind of the crown jewel for jonathan smith top 100 player four-star quarterback yeah so we'll see who Jonathan decides to keep and target and retain or pick up in the portal. But Aiden Childs is a guy that I can imagine. His name hits the portal and it lights up. He's going to have some options that are not his but, former coach. But Sam Levitt, for yeah. the love of God, Kate yeah. Hauser is not it. You got to keep him. You got to keep yeah. Sam Levitt. Uh, next up, Stupidest Shardy. Uh, first thoughts on the Smith hire. Who, which, which by the play? way, Sam Levitt, isn't he from Oregon? He was a Wazoo commit, uh, but his parents have bought, I believe, in DeWitt. Well, you can't just move that house. Um, yeah, city, Westland, Oregon. So you got to think. He knows him. Jonathan Smith is already very aware of Sam Levitt. Uh, as for, uh, we just sort of, uh, covered, uh, super shorty, uh, which three players would we like to see him keep? Um, but first thoughts, as we said before, Greg, I, I think there are reasons to be optimistic mm-hmm. and I don't know what the interview is like. I'm sure we'll get some more details on that, but like on paper, I'm very happy with the hire. Yeah. Super to Shardy's first question is thoughts. First thoughts on the Smith hire. It's like, it's pretty D'Antonio-y is what it feels like to me. And I don't hate that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next up from Munfield Keg. uh, What does Doug Wojcik do? (laughs) Before he was tucked under Izzo's wing as an assistant coach again, he was director of recruiting for a few years and helped get those players who don't seem to fit together. Is it time for us to be critical of Izzo's staff again? Like this is this ebbs and flows. Like we get tired of the retreads and then they do something and we're like, maybe Izzo does know something we don't know. And then maybe we ebb back again. Doug Wojcik, um, you know, has been a head coach. Didn't end under great circumstances. Uh, was willing to come back for this director of player personnel role. Now is back on the, we got really excited about who Izzo might hire for that Doug Bojic round. And then Izzo was like, that guy right there, you come up here, sit next to me. I don't, 
I don't think we know. I, I don't think fans and really anyone outside the program is ever really going to know who does what among the assistant coaches. We know that they, here's what we do know. They rotate scouts. Mm-hmm. So Izzo Which every actually, program does, by the way. I think Izzo tends to give a little bit more autonomy to his, his assistants. My understanding is that he's a good coach to coach under from a, you want to do something? I'll give you something to do. Um, but that tends to be also why he hires folks that are probably going to seem like retreads mm-hmm. um, or or grow up in the program. Uh, the The other thing is that that doesn't make them prime candidates to be a head coach. And uh, I, I'm not blaming Wojcik for, for anything that's happening right now. This is honestly... This is AJ's fault. <laughs> yeah. Matt Wiggins asks, does uh, Jonathan Smith bring back keep chopping? And then provides us a picture of one of the Oregon State players brandishing a chainsaw, which, which is, is their something that they turnover do. chainsaw. <laughs> which I do love that for the wood shed. That's for sure. Uh, Matt, I really, really hope, but like, I hope it's done. With a wink and a nod to the fan base. I would take this over Cartier frames. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, next up from Spartan 18770. Why do fans think that coaches should be uh, indentured servant to the program? All the while they're sitting in a burning house. <sighs> Here's what I'll say, Spartan 18770. These people are paid ridiculous sums of money to coach teenagers to play football. And there is a lot of pressure and they do work long hours and recruiting must be awful to have to be like, hey, the whims of this 16 year old greatly affect my career. I'm glad that my career is not affected by the whims of 16 year olds. But at the same time, these guys, especially today, get paid ridiculous sums of, sums of money. Is did there something? Comment? No, what did he say? He's like, it seems insane to me that I'm paid so much money and that none of that money goes to the players. Essentially saying I'll take less to give it to them. Uh, Good recruiting tactic. Yeah, and and it's sort of the the meme, the worst person you know, right? Makes yeah. a good point. Yep. Um, is there something that Spartan 1870 is referencing here that I am not placing? No, I, I think it's, uh, I think the, you're placing it right. Jonathan Smith was in the burning house and the Beaver fans are freaking out about it. And, mm-hmm. and that's that. Um, there's also our house that was burning and we were expecting assistant coaches making over a million dollars a year to field something worthwhile this year. I, I will say this though, Spartan 1870. Uh, I, I'm willing to extend a, a modicum of more empathy to Oregon state fans because Jonathan Smith was an alum. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I think as times have changed, that matters a little bit less maybe to us now than it did before. But like if Darian Harris became our head coach and then left us for another program, I would feel very differently about that. Then, if Jonathan Smith leaves us for mm-hmm. the NFL or a different program, like it, it, it would hurt 
more because he's from here. Especially if it happened while the SEC and the Big Ten were consolidating into a super league and we were somehow left out of that, which we wouldn't be if that happened. But if we were, uh, that would be particularly brutal. Uh, next up from Spartan 18770, uh, will our society collapse in anarchy if America's team wins the college football playoff? I don't know how the 1994, uh, Dallas Cowboys are going to win the college football playoff, but, um, if you're referring to the University of Michigan, I'm glad that we didn't have to talk about them because we had other stuff to do, uh, but that would suck. I would not take it well. No. Uh, but we won't talk about it here on the pod because fuck Michigan. Next up, Jer Bear, uh, asks, how great is this? Pretty, pretty great. I think we're happy. Yeah. And I assume that he's talking about hockey here where oh, no. MS, no, he is. Uh, and, uh, because it's Jer and MSU broke it's, I believe 16 game losing streak against Minnesota on the road at MMMMMMMMMMMM arena. So, uh, pretty happy about that. Uh, so Greg, did you watch that hockey on, uh, on BTN on Sunday? I did. I decided I, I couldn't in good faith, uh, criticize the big 10 network for not showing hockey games and then miss one when it was actually on. So I did watch it. Uh, I enjoyed the broadcast and, uh, get some bonus hockey after all of that. So, uh, next up, Thomas Zambiassi, what Thanksgiving side would you give to a now previous coaching staff as a parting gift? Greg is the food master here. The goop from the Matrix, from my house to yours. Enjoy its amino acids. It has everything the body needs. <laughs> I made some cream corn that turned out like the uh, goop from the Matrix. So that, that Perfect. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it, actually. Uh, next up from Tom Zambiassi, uh, how many more close games with top teams will bas- the basketball team make me endure until something either clicks or falls apart completely? I think this is a great question. I agree. I, it does feel like we're in one or the other territory. This is something that the social media manager and I were talking about after the Arizona game of like, is this who the team is? Like, are they just sort of a like, high teens 20s ranked team and we need to get used to that um which would be i mean that's not going to fall apart completely but it's definitely not going to be what we were expecting at the beginning of the season yeah and uh starting to lean towards that's what this team is it's all it's all aj right aj malik and and Jaden need to I feel more and more better after every every game for what I said on Sheehan's podcast of like the starters are actually a step back and we're relying on the freshmen to, to grow. fill the gaps and grow the team. All right. While I sneeze, hi, podcast daddy, daddies uh, from the search. I feel my purpose is fading from this world. Where do I go from here? Uh, the search, you're ascending to a greater plane of existence and one that we have we have fought against the dying here, but um, I think there's still, you know, you've still got a couple like, like death rattles in you. Um, I need, I need to know what you think about these assistant coaches as they, they're brought on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the transfer portal, but You're there's, there. yep. But there's no shame. There's no shame in having a purpose in this world, 
satisfying it and moving on. You're the me-seeks of MSU, uh, MSU Twitter podcasts. And we appreciate you for it. We'll see many, you in Valhalla eventually. How many podcasts have we seen go to Valhalla? We, um, some, and certainly Michael Jones, the three of us take no joy when, when that happens, seeing another, another MSU podcast die for us to step over. <laughs> Hi, you few listeners who joined there. Come on over. You clearly are searching for more content. Share the podcast with Spartans in your life. Next up, uh, Joe Ashworth asks, there's a realistic chance both Ohio State and Michigan are looking for a new head coach this offseason. Should that come to pass, how would you feel about Coach Jonathan Smith's position in the pecking order of the Big Ten? I mean, it moves up automatically, right? If I'll say this. If Michigan is searching for a new head coach, it is at the least opportune time right. possible. And if Ohio State is searching for a new coach... Which I don't buy any of the smoke on that, by the way. I don't either. Uh... Because he has more sacrificial lambs to give. Uh, mm-hmm. But if they chose to move on from Ryan Day, uh, that's a tough decision to make. Mm-hmm. And I don't... And, and I believe Gene Smith is retiring next year? I don't know. Who cares? Well, it, it's, it's rel- a new AD. Says you. I don't care. Okay. All right. All right, next up from Joe Ashworth. Apparently Harlan is sticking around. He said so, though apparently he meant maybe kind of TBD. Then the crew said he was staying. He told them so. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, Joe wait, Ash- sorry. Adding on, did Harlan just back the new head coach into a corner and pretty much force Smith to keep him on staff? Yeah, but Smith's not forced to pay him what he wants to get paid. Like, Smith can be like, yeah, you want to stay? Here's a 50K job. You're in the recruiting office now. Mm-hmm. Like... The the cards are still very much uh, in Smith's hands. Um, in we didn't talk about how apparently it's a larger uh, salary pool than Tucker. I think I mentioned that. Oh, did you? Okay. Offhand. Um, and that is being reported, and credit should be given to uh, Thind at 24-7. Because yeah. I don't think we have it anywhere else. Uh, next from Nate C. Uh, does uh, Michigan play in the postseason? If so, how do I submit my resume to MSU? It's a great joke. Nate C., as listeners may recall, is in the Navy. Uh, much, in the Navy. Uh, much like uh, our, our friend Connor. Uh, and I don't know, man. How do you feel about this? Like, the punishment clearly wasn't three years worth. Right? Yeah. Like... You, you're incentivizing this point in time cheating. Yeah. Uh, and did you, again, we didn't talk about this, but one of the things I really liked about the blue wall this week is that everyone was like, oh, Jim Harbaugh stole a joke from, from the soccer show from, from yeah. Apple TV plus. Like, oh, did we ask him about how he had to fire a coach this week? Oh, do we ask him about how he's, you know, how uh, he's suspended. Oh, have we asked Blake Corum about how still his name is on an LLC next to Connor Stallions? No, of course not. We wrote a bunch of puff pieces about how he stole a joke. The man stole a joke the from a great show. Yeah. So 
like I it almost it felt like for a moment and we'll get back to this I think there's still going to there's another shoe that's going to drop in this whole thing but it felt like for a moment everyone was catching on to the U of M's BS and they weren't getting they weren't able to pull the rug anymore they pulled the rug this week and then they they won the game you got to give them credit I guess for winning the game um, yeah, but it's amazing how they had a more talented quarterback at Ohio State in previous years, and uh, and the margin of victory for U of M was wider. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, also, Graham, if you happen to be listening, I know you're not pushing back anymore on the blue wall thing, but Grek raises an excellent point. Like, your job is to ask questions, and ask questions in moments of... And, and Graham, I don't think, was in that, that press conference. I don't no, know Graham. he wasn't. No, no, no. It, it, he knows the job is my point. And, yeah. like, it's it's not just the... Uh, I appreciate that a lot of MSU alums work at the Detroit media. Yeah. Like, uh, Cosign, I understand. But, like, you hire who you hire at the, the levels and... Uh, and man, it's it's disappointing. Like, you fired a coach in the midst of an undefeated season. Another one. The, at the fourth one this year. And and how are you not asking questions about that? Like repeatedly. Uh, I'm I'm old enough to remember how good MSU was at basketball when Miles Bridges, who's a scoundrel and we all hate now and we deserve it. But at the time he seemed like a nice kid and how he got hounded by the media about a dinner that his parents had the tab picked up on. And no one seems to care that Blake Corum's name is on an LLC with Connor Stallions, which is wild. Wild! I assumed that would get filed up, followed up on by now, but it oh, hasn't. it was it was it was dissolved. Yeah, but it existed for a period of time. Yeah, his, but his lawyers were on it. My lawyers were on it. Yeah, uh, there's just so much that they get away with there. This this easy mode, and this is why the blue wall is so insidious. Is that it's an easy mode that they get to yeah. just sort of enjoy, and they never have to confront their own garbage. And they get to continue to coast on stuff as a result. They never have to feel the pressure. They never have to, f- they never have to make hard decisions because they get to just coast. Yeah. Uh, and that's why Ward does Ward things. Uh, and, and Ward deserves, like, there should be pieces written every week about how Ward Manuel still can't be bothered to get in front. They they fired a coach this week, and Ward Manuel doesn't have to get in front of anyone to take questions. Wild, yeah. And and Jim Harbaugh is being asked about compensating players, and, and isn't that a convenient question to ask? Yeah, and something maybe that was placed because he had a really good answer about it. Because because you know you know how Jim Harbaugh how affable in every man he 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 is. You know he's so great at these like folksy one offs. You can steal them from Ted Lasso at the very least, I guess. Yeah, that was definitely pre-written. Uh, next up from Nate C. Nate C., thank you. We didn't get a chance to do that. Wild-ass guess. Why didn't hockey come first today? We are a hockey school, and it should lead, followed by basketball, followed by every other MSU sport, and then our worst program. <laughs> <laughs> you need to relegate programs like, uh, like uh, English soccer does. Notes taken. Appreciate yeah. you. 
Um, actually, but there's a sport that always leads, Nate's here. Uh, but Nate, notes taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Jason Fry. How confident are you guys, uh, fellow fans who experienced John L. Smith firsthand, that hiring a head coach from the Pacific Northwest named John Smith isn't destined for humiliation like it did in 2003? Jason Fry, thank you for uh, <laughs> for basically outlining the concept of our cold open. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he goes by Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Let's make it clear. And uh, and it clearly is different. I, I will say that, right? Like, stylistically, it's clearly different. And again, we're not guaranteeing that Jonathan Smith is going to be a is going to be a success, no. but he'll be a different kind of failure than John L. Smith. I don't think he's slapping his face. I'll say that. Milking the- himself, maybe. But slapping his face? No. Uh, next up from Ali. Uh, what do I do with all these flags? A guy from Twitter told me to raise. <laughs> do you think if we reached out on DM, we could get one for like real cheap? <laughs> I. Or we blocked. We're not. We're not currently blocked. Uh, we used to be blocked, but we're not currently blocked. <laughs> you reevaluated. <laughs> He he'll go through this this spree where he blocks people and then uh, and then and then it will it will, uh, will come back from it. You know, honestly though, clicks. from what I learned in the community from uh, from what was his name Harold or um, whatever, there's no such thing as bad press, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's why you do this stuff because there's no such thing oh, as bad press for sure. Uh, but. Yeah, I guess that's why you go on to uh, do Sandusky denial, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <sighs> Sandusky truther. Yep. Uh, next up from Justin the key ski. a real piece of shit. Let's yep. just say that. We're not ever going to be friends. Uh, next up from the key ski, Michigan won. Why is this happening? There is no God. Yeah. God is dead. Like, clearly, shouldn't have happened. Next up from the key ski, we have a new coach. What do you think his favorite drink is? I Milk. like this one. Milk. Oh my god! I choose to believe that he is a real meet the parents fan because he could have gesticulated like he was milking a cow. Yeah, but he chose not to. (laughs) Do you want to explain this for everyone that's not terminally online? Yeah. So at some point in the game, I don't know the game, but uh, Oregon State needed to, as people say milk the clock and to do that he made a uh, circular finger gesture like a clock and then proceeded to in multiple ways gesticulate towards his nipples in a milking fashion that was uncomfortable to see (laughs) and we all have to live with Forever. Yeah. And I hope that it was the second question in his interview. Do we have a different way of of signaling in? Though milk I the really clock. worry that the 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 like this isn't better. Could be taken its own way, yeah. Yeah. Uh and for those that are listening, which is everyone, uh Jonesy was doing sort of a back and forth milking a, motion. A cow, a, a cow, cow milking motion. Which has its own 
issues. Drawbacks. Uh, next up from JD, kind of continuing on this, uh, will the Blue Wall find out what Matt Weiss did before they write an article about how, quote, hiring someone who milked themselves during a game is a continuation of a bad culture at MSU? Uh. And they're trying to fit it in, believe me. And you know what? For the clicks, it's very Spiro-esque, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't blame you. But uh, so... I will say this about the Matt Weiss situation. It is almost certainly at this point in time, substantial and meaningful and not worth speculating about other Mm -hmm. than to say that it has gone on long enough now that it's not nothing. It's also, but at the same time, he's not been arrested. So like societally, we can say, Oh, thank God. It's not that bad. yeah, he's he is certainly innocent uh, until proven guilty, and and but there was enough there that, it, that U of M dismissed him. Uh, notably, though, for for listeners like truly from a blue wall perspective, this stuff isn't subject to a FOIA request mm-hmm. unless they can. It, it, well, no, it's it's not subject to a FOIA request because even anything that would come within a FOIA uh, subject matter would be excluded for law enforcement reasons. So, like, this isn't the Detroit media. They're not going to catch it. And they shouldn't be able to catch it. Like, this is about due process for an individual who may encounter serious criminal charges at some point in time. But you don't have to go straight down the the Matt Weiss angle. You can be like, oh, what a lack of institutional control this program has, having dismissed four coaches... Yeah, this year already. Someone and could write that article. You could do that. That is a, that is an angle that you probably should take. It's not unfair. It's true. Uh, but no, it's more fun stealing jokes from Ted. We Lasso. also we also didn't even talk about how Jawan Howard got ejected from a game he wasn't even coaching. Yep. Next up. From Dan Halpepar, uh, how long did it take after hearing the news before you checked what Coach Smith's middle initial was? Oh, we you, checked way earlier than that. in advance. <laughs> and C, I believe, is for championship caliber yeah. or something like that. Where L is very clearly for what it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up from Dan, uh, what assistant coach being retained would make you the second most angry? I love this I, question. We all know what the first one is. Do we? Because I assume you say Ross Ells. Well, I want the- second most angry. No, but I assume that Ross Ells is Most the- angry is Ross Ells, yes. Is it? Maybe it shouldn't be, but it is because I've just been so angry with him for so long now. Um, Second most, I think, it would be either Ells or Jay Johnson. Yeah, Like, I am just done with Jay Johnson at this point. Yeah, there's a... uh, It would have varied at varying times. At one point in time, listeners, it was Harlan Barnett. (laughs) It was. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's Jay. Jay's the answer. Next up from Cedar Village Bagel. Tons of questions re- regarding the success and hope for the incoming staff. My question is, set the bar so wildly low for me. Protect the, predict the worst case scenarios. 
keeping in mind the horrors of this year. Invent a new scandal. I don't want to put this much evil out into the world is the problem. It's yeah. the worst kind of segment fish I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, Cedar Village Bagel, we love your account. Yeah. It's but, good to have you, bud. We, we love having you around, but this but is just... I Because there's things that come to mind, and I'm not going to say them. We've been through some pretty raucous scandals already. I, I, I'm not interested in, inviting, in inventing a new one. Like, mm, mm. I mean, this is a deeply cynical take. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Tyrone Plum. Speaking, Speaking of, of deeply cynical takes. <laughs> anyone heard of Apollo 11? Three astronauts went to the moon, two walked on the moon, but Michael Collins had to stay on the ship. That's like marrying your longtime fiance and on your wedding night, watching her lose her virginity to your best man. Just weird. For the other two? For the other two. Uh, I've actually read interviews with Michael Collins. And I don't know if this is like cope that you have to like make yourself believe for the rest of your life, but he maintains that he doesn't regret his position on the ship. He understand his, he understood his role and he was just happy to be part of the team. So I, I don't know if that's true or not, <laughs> but that like, is what he, I've read from him from multiple sources. Um, as what Pierre Brooks will say about his time at MSU yeah, yeah, years yeah, from yeah. now. Uh, next up, rant of the week, Thanksgiving. Meh. Why celebrate genocide? <laughs> I gave my wife a blanket this year. Her Cherokee mom oh caught God. on and found it quite funny. My wife says it's her favorite holiday because her family survived, I guess. I'm Italian, so not part of the genocide. Also, big up CJS. What's CJS? JCS? I know that's John Z. Smith. I don't know who CJS is. We might want to have to. Maybe we need to cut this. I'm not red. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind Whoa. of was already in the uncomfortable territory. Tyrone Tyrone Plum's wife thought it. Uh, wife's mom thought it was funny. So we're good. We're all set. Yes, one person thought. Yes, that's yes. All right. Next up, upper deck jerk guy. Uh, what did you think of Trey Holland's play on Thursday? Well. It's right. a hard, here's the thing with Trey Holloman. It's hard for me, given what's happening on the team widely, it's hard for me to like get particularly upset with him. Okay, but Greg, 15 minutes, 0 for 4, one turnover. And the turnover and steal. was at the end of the game when we needed it the most, yeah. Yeah, um, but like, I, I, I'm not... I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, it's a, it is like a big... It's, it's not even a club trill uh stat line it's a club 15 trill like you accomplish nothing over the course of of five minutes or 15 minutes yeah uh next up uh from neighborhood guy uh ever thought about just making shit up to get subscribers and sell merchandise well <laughs> you heard it here first about sandusky <laughs> like he's a truly a, a a giant piece of garbage um and and in fairness, according to Couch, like Ishbia wanted him, he was here. So you're talking about Urban Meyer now, yeah? Because not of all of our listenership is crazy people that will understand every single vague statement that we make. Yeah. So the the thing here is about Justin Spiro, uh, who who ha- hosts a um, a show called the Spiro Avenue Show, um, where he um, 
has at times brought on Sandusky deniers, uh, which is to say denying whether Jerry Sandusky uh, sexually assaulted uh, people. So he's he sucks. Like he's he's a bad person. Um, and then was part of the raise the flag uh, or started Not the raise part, the flag. Like yeah, st- the primary driver of this. It which is, was about Urban Meyer coming to MSU and then sold flags accordingly. For the so, last month, listeners, and we've said, be careful who you're listening to. He is exactly who we were referencing. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the by, some other accounts who are very prominent who are close to Matt Ishbia. Um, like, it wasn't just him, um, but he is bad bedfellows. Anyway, uh, we routinely make things up, yet none of you give us money or buy any of our merchandise, which is to say... We have great flags, Upper Deck Jerk Guy. You ain't bought none of them. Yeah. Uh, My Slenderman up- flag? I got a basement full of them, and I'm going to need to move that merchandise. Our social media get- manager is not pleased. You know what we need to do is we need to get some uh, some of the blow up guys from car dealerships yes just, just print they can't read can't read they can't read can't write logo on them yes yes uh, yes, yes 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 uh last up from the guy uh can you predict the full football coaching staff no next question mama belief uh i have in the past gone along with the professor in keeping the canned cranberry sauce and its rigid indentations in high esteem i've learned that it's super easy to make cranberry sauce and it's so tasty what new twist on Thanksgiving dish did you enjoy this year? Greg, what did you enjoy this year? The goop from the Matrix had a little splash of cumin in it. Cumin. Cumin for splash. Mm. Mm. What about you, Michael? Mm. Uh, mine was pretty basic. No one year, cares. Actually. Next up from uh, Mama Belief. Uh, do we now know where the ex-MSU employee responsible for airing the Hitler trivia has found employment some insensitivity showing msu showing msu game during pregame warm-ups friday night at the oregon autzen stadium to troll or not to troll that is my question this is in reference to as word was starting to break that jonathan smith was in heavy consideration slash may have kind of basically already accepted the msu job at the beginning of the oregon state oregon game Oregon decided to start playing the MSU Penn State game on its scoreboards at Autzen Stadium. Um, and what she's implying here, very, f- which is a good comedy, is that perhaps it was the Hitler trivia person that made their way on out west to do such a thing. I mean, with all that explaining, obviously it was a rare comedy W for <laughs> Mamopoly. Uh, but uh, the. I will say I LOL'd at the pictures and then I realized, oh, they're not just trolling the fans. The players are probably on the field warming up right now. Yeah, It's a little bit of like, it's shitty (laughs) where the, like just how mean and biting Twitter can be kind of like leeches into real life. It's one of those, but I just would say this. It's a reminder. I think Jonathan Smith is going to understand the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry just fine. That's a good point. And finally, from John Hubbard, sorry, this is too late for Thanksgiving, Greg, but this rum recipe is good for Christmas as well. 
It's a Hubbard home classic. All you need is a fifth of rum and drink it as fast as you can. If you take more than two hours to finish, you're doing it wrong. Enjoy! <laughs> well, we want to say here, enjoy Bumboo, because Bumboo is the rum to drink. Here, here. Here, here. Greg, uh, we have a new coach. This is very exciting. Uh, I suspect we have a couple weeks of really packed episodes, though. Yeah. Meanwhile, our team that we thought was top 10 in basketball will be finding its footing. And Big Ten play starts in one week. One week. All right. So go green. Go white.